Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they take a 2 to nothing lead, but they fall to the Las Vegas Knights 3-2 to two in a shootout. Big mistake in overtime. Too many men on the ice and some big penalty kills, but they lose to Las Vegas. Baseball is looking at maybe having the designated hitter for both leagues, and how about a minimum of three batters face per pitcher? We'll talk about some new rules proposals. And one word to describe the Bucks' 2018 season. Is USF a basketball school now? We've got all that and your questions answered correctly on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, you know, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? Now, I've done this. It's fantastic. If so, seven days a week, you too can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike swimming with the manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. You can ask about their manatee, a $30 manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement and U.S. military. Requires purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for the free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's absolutely beautiful. It's pure paradise up there. The water is always 72 degrees. You can ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, their bicycle rentals, and so much more. Book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-777-1796. Steve, you were at the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning game, of course, against Las Vegas. Las Vegas comes in. They had lost four in a row, so they were desperate for a win. Uh, and and seemed it was, a, it was a tight game. It was a physical game, I thought, from the start. The Lightning jump out to a 2 to nothing lead, and then they give it back. And then worse than that, they have uh, some some really sloppy plays, some errors, some mistakes made, um, you know, in the overtime, and then have to kill some penalties, which they did successfully. I thought Andre Vasilevsky was tremendous. Uh, they managed to get a point, but should have gotten the win, and then they lose in the shootout. So overall, kind of a disappointing night for them, right? Yeah, I didn't think they played that well overall. Um, I thought the penalty kill was fantastic. Yes. Um, every time they had to kill a penalty, it was uh, it was you know, picture perfect almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the time, five on five play, I didn't think they played great. Um, as John Cooper said after the game, wasn't our worst game, wasn't our best game. Yeah. Um, you know, Vegas is a good team. Granted, they've lost four in a row, but right now they're third. They're, you know, the defending Western Conference champs in third place in their division right now. They'd be in the playoffs if it started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they look like a team that came out needing a win after losing four straight. Um, and, and Vegas has played a lot of road games. We were talking tonight that, you know, they've already played 30 road games. Wow. Um, you know, they'll, they'll go to Detroit next, and they get eight of the next nine at home. But most, you know, about two-thirds of the games, the rest of the way are at home. So they're going to be fine for the playoffs. They're a good home team. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, I, I just didn't think the Lightning – you know, I thought th- it was a very choppy play. The puck seemed to be bouncing all over the place for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but – at the end of the day, you got a point. Um, overtime was uh, interesting. The Lightning pretty much had the puck zero time. 
Um, the light, uh, the, the Vegas controlled it. They started on the power play, so it was four on three for the first 18 seconds, and the Lightning were just scrambling the whole overtime. And then they end up getting the too many men on the ice penalty because their team was gassed. Yeah, and McDonough jumped on the ice quick, and the other players couldn't get to the bench because they were gassed. Um, mm-hmm. So then you, you killed that off in overtime, uh, four on three again. But you know, you get a point against a Western Conference team, you take it and move on. Yeah, disappointing to lose at home um, in the shootout this time. Victor Hedman unable to score as he had the three previous shootouts, and so um, they lose They lose uh, in overtime. You mentioned that they, they had a little trouble uh, getting men off the ice. I mean, they, they I guess they left, was it Sorelli on the faceoff? And yeah, they- I thought it was an interesting decision. So they start the overtime, and it's four on three for 18 seconds because there's the, the Alex Korn pen, or uh, the penalty car- carried over Alex Korn. And yep. So Sorelli's out there to take the opening faceoff, and, and they lose the faceoff. Vegas is in the zone. They kill off that, that 18 seconds, plus another 10 seconds or so of the penalty. Um, as, you know, then they get a stoppage of play. I think Vasilevsky stopped the puck. I don't remember exactly if it went out of play, whatever. So you got a defensive zone faceoff. So it's about 30 seconds in the overtime. They left Sorelli out there for the faceoff. And he's played about 30 seconds, but it's a hard 30 seconds when you're short a man. Sure. And so they left him out there because he's, he's good at face-offs, and they probably looked at, and I don't remember who he was taking the face-off against, but the numbers, but he loses that face-off, and the puck stays in their zone. And he's now gassed. And the Lightning finally get the puck. They pass it to Sorelli near the blue line. He's gassed, so he kind of passes it backwards, hoping to get off the ice. That pass didn't work, and it stays in the zone again. He ends up pulling about a minute and a half shift there. In the meantime, the other defensive players on the ice, they're gassed too now, and they were just chasing it the whole overtime. Yeah. They just couldn't get players off, and every time they got the puck, all they could do was shoot it down the ice because they needed to get somebody off the ice mm-hmm. because they were just gassed. And that's what caused the too many men on the ice penalty too. So I think it was a mistake to leave Sorelli out for that faceoff. I know, you know, had he won the faceoff, it's a moot point and everything looks great, but he lost the faceoff. They got stuck in the zone, and it, it cost them. Um, now, whether they win the game if, if he wins that faceoff or they, they make a change, who knows? It's overtime, but, you know, I thought – that decision there led to the whole overtime five minutes of just chasing the puck. Yeah, they're awfully good in those situations. Uh, you know, the three on three, uh, they you know using their speed, and so you feel good about it. Um, but you're right; it was, you know, too many men on the ice was was sort of an, an obvious mistake. It wasn't even close, and they were trying to get too many guys off, and then they didn't get off, and they thought they had a little breakaway going, and it was not to be so they you know and Vasilevsky by the way made some tremendous saves you talk about oh. you know the penalty kill um, of course he was your best penalty killer but he had this one series where he made three stops yes uh, including having lost his stick and just yeah. lunges Pat across Patcher, the goal you robbed Patcher ready there Paul Stasny oh. had at least three where he's going what do I have to do to get a goal oh he was, it was absolutely in Stasny's head tonight I mean, that place, you know, I could tell, I was watching on TV, it was electric after he made that series of stops and people were yelling Vassie. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really special when you see a goaltender bring people to their feet like that. I mean, it really is cool. He is, he is without a doubt, the best goalie the Lightning have ever had. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the stats may not show it yet because he just hasn't played long enough. But, uh, you know, you can seriously no. make a case he's the best goalie in the world. I mean, Hobby Bullen now in his prime. I mean, he did win a Stanley Cup. And absolutely, off absolutely. I, I think I'm saying talent wise at this point. I mean, he doesn't have yes, the, yes, the cup yes. yet. He doesn't have the number of right. wins yet, and that'll come with time. You assume, although right. cups, cups, you never assume that. But 
right. the win total in that. But talent-wise, he is – I mean, you can make a case he's the best goalie in the world right now. I was going to say that. Yeah, I think you could actually say that talent-wise, at his age and given every – Oh, definitely player, at the age and, you know – You know, the, upside the, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. You know, he's he's right there. And of course, Marc-Andre Fleury is awfully good, too. In the, oh, absolutely. He was good tonight, too. Yeah, so they it was a, it was a good a good battle between those two, and I thought Fassi deserved a better fate, but uh, but it wasn't meant to be. You know, you go to the shootout, anything can happen, and um, finally gives up a goal on the third try. But that was the first so, lightning shootout loss this season. And if you remember back that? the last few seasons, last year they were a little better, but uh, a couple years ago they oh, couldn't they, win a shootout to save their life. Oh, they used to be wretched. They couldn't score. Right. Yeah. And uh, Hedman had been on quite a roll until tonight. Yeah, he was three for three this night. season. Was, yeah. So now he's mm-hmm. three for four. But uh, Lightning, yeah. yeah, they were four and zero in the shootout, uh, including the one Friday night in New York against the Islanders. And now they're four and one. So nothing to nothing to be ashamed of. Yep, they'll try to avoid losing two in a row as they usually do, and um, see if they can bounce back. But at least yeah, St. Louis comes to town. They're a, they're uh, I think one point out of a playoff berth in the Western Conference right now. So and it's mm-hmm. the last team the Lightning haven't seen yet this season. Is that right? So they have not played the Blues yet. They still have to go back to St. Louis. That's the only time they have to go back out of the Eastern time zone uh, the rest of the season uh, outside of hopefully the Stanley Cup will be mm-hmm. a trip to St. Louis uh, in March. Interesting. Well, it was, it was an entertaining game nonetheless, and I know they weren't entirely thrilled with the way they played. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball is looking at a couple things, uh, Steve, that I, I've been crying for at least one of them for years and years, never understood it. Still don't understand it, and and that is, and it seems pretty simple to me, um, make the designated hitter the rule for both leagues. Well, that's a according to Ken Rosenthal, that's a proposal that the union is proposing to start uh, the National League adopting it this season. Actually, yeah, uh, is what Why the, not? the union is going to propose. Major League Baseball is proposing an interesting uh, proposal of a minimum of three batters face for every pitcher, whether it's starter wow. or reliever. Wow. Talk about game changing. Now that would change some things. That would, and they're talking about possibly raising the roster limit to twenty six instead of twenty five. And part of the mm-hmm. reason they want to do the three batter minimum is so that you don't just use the extra roster space for an extra relief pitcher. Sure. They're trying to allow the extra roster space to be for more position players to have on your bench. And I guess I'm, I'm assuming the theory here is that you you uh, eliminate the, you speed up the game by not having, you know four pitching changes or three pitching changes in one inning. Yeah, you don't have a guy um, coming in for one batter. Sure. Uh, so that that would be – and then they do need to do some things like that to try to make the game faster to, you know, attract a younger demographic, all those things. Mm-hmm. The the designated hitter thing has always bothered me. I never understood why you'd want to watch or pay to see a pitcher hit. Um, there is some strategy involved with whether you lift the guy for a pinch hitter or not. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, obviously the union wants – more designated hitters because it's a whole nother job, right, for for a number of players yes. that um, may normally be on their way out if they can't play on defense. And so if you did it for both leagues, you're talking about, you know, 15, 15 other jobs. But I'd rather just go uh, to eight batters and let everybody bat more often. Well, you, that, you could do that too. You absolutely could eliminate the pitch. I don't think baseball would, would ever do that, but I'd rather just see both leagues just go to let Mike Trout bat an extra time every game. There's a certain or symmetry Bryce though to nine, or whatever. Right? There is a symmetry to the nine, but to nine batters, yeah. But uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, one of the things that baseball has a problem with, and, and it's that if Mike Trout's the best player in the game, yeah, he bats four times, four times in a three-hour game, yep. 
He bats four yeah. times and maybe makes two or three, four catches. And yeah. some of those are going to be routine where there's not going to be any excitement to it. Sure, sure. You know, so over three hours, five, six, seven plays for him that you're mm-hmm. featuring him where in basketball, your star player can touch the ball every time down the, the court. Absolutely. In hockey, your star players are on the ice every couple shifts and they're touching the puck. I mean, they may not always football, score. Same, same thing in football. Yeah, football, the quarterback's the star position. He touches the ball every play when you're on offense. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, that baseball is that your stars, your best players, whether it's Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, unless the, that star's a pitcher who's touching the ball right. every time. But from your, your offensive players, they're just not featured enough. No. No, that's Is true. that, you know, Mike Trout gets four at-bats a game. And if you intentionally walk him one or two of those, then how many do you really get? Sure. Yeah, the problem with it is is that baseball is so enamored with their numbers and, and how those numbers mm-hmm. were arrived at that they don't want to drastically change, say, how many times a guy might get up to bat when you talk about eight players or, um, you know, something like that, or, or even the pitching numbers being diluted or, or enhanced based on who they're facing. So there's just so wedded to history, but they got to do something to – to speed up the game and and um, these these seems like some of these seem like easy fixes, especially the designated hitter. Uh, and there's other things they could do to speed it up too. But at least, I guess the encouraging thing is, if you believe uh, Ken Rosenthal's report, is that baseball is at least looking into stuff. You know what I mean? And yeah, the players' union and baseball things. are exchanging proposals and stuff. Some of those include September rosters going up to 28 instead of 40, which I completely agree with. I don't yeah. understand why in a pennant race. You completely change the rules of baseball in your roster. That's crazy, right? I don't understand. I mean, I understand where it comes from is your minor league season's over and you want to give those guys a, a taste of the majors. I get that part of it. But why you can go to 40 and have 18 pitchers on your roster, which I think Oakland did last year. Yeah, it changes the whole dynamics of your team. I mean, you can get so markedly better if you don't have to rely on the same bullpen that. Might have been crappy during the year, but with guys coming in throwing again, going back to this rule about three pitchers, when you've got that many guys after September, you can literally go one batter each. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. in, in in, in, in just play matchups. So, um, yeah, I would I would agree. I think they need to expand the rosters. Anyway, again, this comes back to economics and how much do owners want to pay players? And well, I think and they want to expand thing. the rosters. I think baseball's okay with it, but what you don't want to do is just have more pitchers. That means more pitching changes and more dead time slower baseball that's right so how do we expand the rosters but do it where we're not slowing the game down so the league and the union are exchanging proposals now if they don't come to an agreement actually rob manfred can go ahead and unilaterally put three elements that were proposed last year into play the 22nd pitch clock reduction of mound visits from six to five and the Mm -hmm. rule placing a base runner on second base in spring training games in the all-star game when the sky's scores tied after 10 innings the old Texas tiebreaker rule played that in uh, in youth ball, especially little league. Uh, yep. Some my son and them played it, and it's a weird it is a weird deal. It does create though drama. I will say, you know, it's it's a little like football's overtime in college, where you put the ball at the twenty five yard line somewhat. But you'd be surprised at, at you know every pitch then suddenly matters, of course, because yep. a base hit can end the game. So I'd almost I don't rather just I'd rather that. just go ahead and have a tie in regular season. Yeah, just, and killing yeah, well, bull, and killing bullpens and killing. Yeah, you know, hard I mean, to convince your fans though that paid the money they don't get to walk out of there without an outcome, right? I suppose. And there are, and there I mean, are let's some just have that, a home run hitting derby then. You know, home run derby <laughs> well, for the, you know to decide like a shootout in hockey. That's right. Well, I mean, 
you know, I, I get it. Like there, there is even there are even some fans who think it's cool and probably save their ticket stubs from that game. Remember that game, Dad? We went to that went eighteen yep. innings. You know what I mean? Like there's some there's some charm. Oh, there absolutely in, there absolutely is. And being you know, in a marathon, you know. But in a regular season, I mean, you know, because if you go eighteen innings, it affects your next two, three, four games. Well, sure. And then a, let's face it, you wind up with the second baseman, you know, pitching against you know the right fielder. Right. So. That's. I mean, know, I'm fine. I'm fine real. with continuing over time. But if I had a proposal to fix, uh, you know, extra over time, extra innings. If I had a extra proposal, innings. it would just be, you know, after eleven or twelve innings, let's just call it a tie, for regular mm. season. I mean, postseason, obviously, you can't do that. That's different. No pitch after midnight. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Heck, then, then uh, there's a lot of games you're going to have to resume later because they don't even start them until ten thirty after true. a rain delay. That's Cinderella rule. Anyway, those are uh, those are interesting proposals, and uh, I'm sure we'll follow those as we get uh, the in- the really really interesting thing is that they're thinking about it doing it for this season, which is just a couple couple weeks away. Well, we that's really proposed by the union. We'll see. You know, obviously, yeah, this is a negotiation between the players' union sure. and, and baseball. So, sure, we'll see how fast that goes. Remember. Race Fan Fest is this Saturday. We'll be out there, so come out and see it. Okay, we're there noon us. to two. Uh, we'll have uh, several players and coaches we'll be talking to that you'll hear on this podcast over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. That's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. Baseball is back. Okay, so uh, we've got our mailbag uh, section or edition, I guess, of this Sports Day Tampa Bay podcast. And you guys brought it again, man. You got, got some really good questions here. I'm going to attempt to answer some of them. Uh, and whatever answers we give you, they are the correct answers. Uh, they are not the incorrect answers. We're not guessing. We know these are factual. It is not fake news. <laughs> They're researched and based on years and years of study and opinion. No, I, I like these. Some of these, uh, some of these are a little bit, uh, a little bit challenging tonight. Let's, uh, there's let's some, go. There's with... some deep questions. As you yeah. said, they brought it tonight. So they did. Well, let's start with, uh, let's start with Les, who said, "Rick, everyone's over the moon with the Bruce Arians hire." Watching the Super Bowl, it seemed like defense is still what it's all about. Can the Bucks do enough defensively this offseason to be competitive for a playoff spot this year? Not sure we could hold Brady to 13. Well, I mean, look, they always say it in every championship, you know, defense wins championships. And I think that's, I think that's true um, in, in, you know, whether you're talking about even the NHL. I mean, how many times do we talk about when you get in the postseason, you know, the goaltender can get hot. Um, we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning needing a win and then didn't weren't able to score the last two games and so um, it doesn't really matter what you do or how much you, how many runs or how many points you score uh, in the regular season it's going to be tougher and and in football that usually is because of of things like weather where you know the conditions aren't as uh, as perfect as they are early in the year to throw the football I also think it means this too in every sport especially football is that your referees. If you're in football, they they stick the flags a little deeper in their pockets, and they tend to swallow their whistles in in hockey, and it, it creates an unfair advantage in a way when you think about it. Because if you've called it one way all season, uh, and say you have a team that you know has good receivers and and you know are going to make explosives down the field, but when you get in the postseason, they start getting grabbed and clutched, and no one calls pass interference, then that's an unfair advantage to the opponent. But that's what happens. It's human nature. They don't want the referees to decide these games. The referees don't want to decide these games, and they they kind of swallow the whistles a little bit. So as far, as far as the defense goes, though, Todd Bowles I think is going to be the biggest difference in this defense. Look, we can't we cannot overemphasize what a disaster 
Mike Smith was, especially the last two seasons uh, in Tampa Bay. And if you don't believe me and you don't think it matters, look at some of the difference that, that occurred. And it wasn't a dramatic change, but once they went to Mark Duffner. Um, now, Todd Bowles has a new system. He's going to very likely run a lot of three-man fronts. There are questions about who fits into that. And I think that this is a defense that needs a lot of pieces. And, you know, they, you can throw a dart literally at their, at their depth chart and probably hit some target that they need, whether that's, you know, an interior pass rusher. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen to Gerald McCoy, where he fits in. My guess is he's not going to play for the $13 million that aren't guaranteed to him this year. Uh, you know, you need linebackers suddenly. You don't know Quan Alexander's status. He's a free agent coming off an ACL. He's been working out, but who knows what you got. Levante David still looks like a player, but he's entering his, like, seventh or eighth season, I think. Um, so, you know, you, you suddenly have needs at every level, and we've already known that they need, you know, help on the defensive back. Now, they drafted some guys last year in Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart and the like, and you hope that Vernon Hargraves comes back if you're the Bucks fan. You're not going to have Brent Grimes, thank God, because you don't pay him enough to, you know, cover guys man-to-man. So, you know, really at every level, um, you know, they they need help. However, I really do like Todd Bowles. I don't think he's going to make any excuses. I think he's going to put whatever players he has in the best positions, and there are enough pieces, pieces, guys like Carl Nassib, who I think can stand up and play defensive end, even talking about maybe Vita Vea being on an end instead of inside. Um, and they'll add to that through the draft and free agency. So um, I think I think they can play good enough defense. Again, I think it just depends on how quickly they can buy into what Bowles is doing. He's been very effective wherever he's gone, even in the early years, um, you know, when he's gotten there, like in, in Arizona and such. So I look for them to have maybe the biggest turnaround. All right. Well, you mentioned Gerald McCoy, so Gonzo asks, thoughts on Gerald McCoy replying back to fans and journalists on social media? Anytime being cut or traded is brought up. I don't feel you have people like Nick Foles ever do that. Yeah, I haven't seen Nick do that very much, and it looks like as we as we talk about Nick, you know, at this hour that uh, he's going to buy out, um, you know, the whole franchise tag, you know, $2 million, become a free agent, whatnot. Look, we, we've talked about Gerald McCoy a lot over the years and certainly on this podcast. Um, Gerald is a unique guy. He likes – he sort of has a love-hate relationship with social media. He, he likes to engage fans. He likes to fire back at them at times. Uh, and right now he's being playful, and that's, that's sort of who Gerald is. Like, you know, the other night I got home from, uh, from Atlanta – where the Super Bowl was, and I'd, I'd been in the Hall of Fame meeting or whatnot, and I, I'm standing outside waiting for an Uber, and all of a sudden my phone buzzes, and it's a Gerald McCoy Twitter, and it was like something like, uh, you know, Welp, it's been decided, or some something to that effect, and you're like, oh, here we go. And then, you know, he follows it up with, you know, I got, I got better car insurance at Geico or something like that. I mean, he, just, he is just playful that way, mm-hmm. and – you know, but he, he let some time go by, and I saw where Greg Allman had tweeted at him, and he's like, good night, Greg. And, you know, Gerald McCoy has has as good a sense of sort of what the scuttlebutt is about himself out there as anybody. And, you know, he he absolutely reads this stuff, and sometimes to his detriment, but he knows the position he's in, and I think he's wanting information. And... If I had to guess, if there was a method to his madness, he's basically sending the signal to the Bucks: "Hey, I, 
I'm ready to talk. What are we doing? You know, let's go kind of, um, you know, kind of almost a challenge in a way. And I don't think the Bucks, as I understood it at least a week or so ago, nothing had been written in stone with respect to whether, you know, Gerald is going to play for the $13 million and they say nothing to him or they go to him and ask him to take a pay cut um, or they say we're going to release you and then he has to decide whether to go somewhere and retire. But those are really the options. And I just think he likes to be noticed. He likes to be talked about. He knows people are talking about him anyway, and so he's just being playful that way. All right. Well, Ellis asks us, using one word, describe the Bucks' 2018 season. Wow. One word. Inevitable. My one word is inevitable. What I mean by that is if you view everything that occurred from start to finish through the prism of – what happened in July with Joe McCoy getting – or Joe McCoy, I'm back on him – with Jameis Winston getting suspended for three games, if you really view the entire, you know, occurrence of everything from Fitzmagic to Fitztragic to Winston in, Winston out, a coach desperate to win right now, I think it all began with, you know, Jameis getting suspended and them having to adjust on the fly – uh, come up with these these rules that, you know, Fitzpatrick was going to be their guy, take all the reps, that Jameis was going to have to lead from behind. Jameis being away from the team when they were actually winning early, not being able to experience any of that. He's talked about having to come back and not having felt any of that momentum. Um, then feeling pressure that he created himself by giving another man an opportunity to do his job and felt he had to compete with those numbers. I mean, every single thing that happened – uh, you know, was a downward spiral, and, and it might be too simplistic. I know they weren't great defensively. I know there were players that underachieved. I know there were guys that got injured, and the quarterback always gets too much blame no matter what. But it seemed inevitable that that season was headed for the Rocks because it's just too it's too valuable a position um, to lose your starting quarterback in a year where your coach has to win. I mean, had this been Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger is going to miss three games, you know, they they get by however they get by, and then when he comes back, everything is the same. Um, it wasn't the same when Jameis came back because, you know, you didn't have a Mike Tomlin who's secure in his position. You had Dirk Cutter um, who was looking for a better option. And, you know, and then you had a very fragile Jameis Winston. So, I just feel like everything that happened was was inevitable. It was it was just never going to go well because of the fact that you you can't lose the face of your franchise and your quarterback uh, for three games like that, especially a young guy, and ex- and expect everything to be smooth. Yeah, I think the the ironic part of it is is at the beginning of the season you could have predicted the outcome of five and eleven. Sure, maybe you said six and ten, and some may have sure. had seven and nine or eight and eight. But few, not how they players. got there. But the way they got there, absolutely not. Starting two and zero with Fitzmagic sure. and Patrick Mahomes being the two front runners for MVP after two weeks. They were absolutely. to the defense where you added a lot of players, particularly mm-hmm. on the defensive line, and you drafted some young guys in the secondary. So you know yep. you didn't expect the defense to be as bad as it was because of how many pieces they they added to that mix. That it just and then you know going back and forth between quarterbacks, just you could have predicted the outcome, but the season itself was unpredictable. Yeah, I mean we all we all sort of said you know hey um, 
Fitz, Fitzpatrick's job is to try to get to one win. Mm-hmm. You know, if he can go one and two against, you know, the, having to play the Saints, the Eagles at home, and then Pittsburgh on a Monday night football at home, um, then then you go, well, if, if he could go two and one, I mean, that's, you know, that's house money. Well, he went two and one. <laughs> and then it didn't seem to matter because the pressures were still there. Uh, they get smoked in Chicago. They make the change in the second half. They start Jameis in Atlanta. Uh, he has the inevitable bad turnovers after really having playing a pretty good game. The defense is, is leaking all over the place. And they went probably a week too long, you know, with Mike Smith as their defensive coordinator. But, um, yeah, it was – I mean, if you think about it, they won their first two, and they only won five total. <laughs> so, uh, you know – that's that's not good when you go three in the rest of the season. What was it? You know, three and eleven or whatever, three and ten to finish the year. That's that that is not a uh, that is not a good recipe. So it was uh, it, it was an interesting season and, and one that just never never recovered. All right, Kelsey asked, "Hey Rick, I want your thoughts. Adam Humphreys is a good slot, but has has Julian Edelman raised the value of that position?" You can argue a good slot like Humphreys is more valuable and more consistent than a good number two, such as Godwin. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What is the magic number? Five years, 30 million with 15 guaranteed? Well, I don't know the number. It's going to be north of that, though, I think. Um, look, Adam Humphreys uh, was the second-leading receiver on this team. He had 71 catches, and he's gone up every season. You know, Jameis is very comfortable with him. Remember, he did not play very much early on. I mean, they were using – when they went to three receivers, Deshaun Jackson was moving inside at times, or Chris Godwin. And their top three receivers for the first part of the year, obviously, was Mike Evans, who they ran their passing game through, and then Godwin and, and Deshaun Jackson. So – by the time Humphreys got on the field, he just took off. And, you know, Adam Humphreys had a chance. They they offered him a contract in the offseason. They they wanted to lock him up much how they had done with Cam Brait. And he didn't go for it. Um, his agent, his representative, from what I understand, was asking for around $8 million a year, which, you know, prior to last season, I think most people would say, well, you, you've kind of priced yourself out. Like that's – if that's true, if those numbers are correct, that that's a, that's a lot of money – for the number three or four receiver on the football team because that's that's kind of where he started. He started at sort of number four. and But then you see what he did, and you're right. I mean, in the right system, with the right quarterback, uh, on the right team, New England, uh, a guy like Adam Humphreys would, you know, would be Julian Edelman. He'd catch, he'd catch a ton of passes. you got to be really tough, which Adam is. He's not a very big guy. you got to be able to catch the ball well, which Adam does. You have to be able to read defenses and run good routes and know where the leverage is, which Adam does. So he has gotten himself into a position from a, a rookie tryout camp and a guy that didn't catch many balls at Clemson to, you know, maybe being the next, next Wes Welker or Julian Edelman in, in New England. We'll see where ultimately where he ends up. 
I don't know that he's more valuable than your number two. I mean, I think Chris Godwin is a developing player. And, you know, there's more to the offense in the receiver position than just, you know, coming in on third down or, or coming in three wide and when you, when you play in the slot. You want that guy to be able to block on first down. He's going to play, you know, he's going to be a three-down player if he plays outside. He's going to have to have some size and, and use his size. But, look, I would, I would pay plenty of money if you had it to Adam Humphreys. The problem is they don't. They have bigger needs than wide receiver. And at this point, you can't predict anything, but I think he's going to hit that three-day window at least where he can talk to other teams. And then sometimes that's the best way to determine your value. You know, that happened with Doug Martin, although, you know, in hindsight being 2020, they probably shouldn't have re-signed him. But you go out there and there are other teams that will say, you know, I'm going to give you the X, I would give you Y. And if you're so inclined, you can, you know, during that three-day period, you can let your current team know that hey this is what my market value is if there's a disagreement and they can resign you or they can let you go and I suspect that'll be sort of the process but he's so close to free agency now I mean a mere few weeks away uh, I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to resign with the Bucks unless they just blew him away all right Buck North asks does the ping pong table stay or go and on a serious note can the Bucks release players anytime or do they have to wait until the new league year to do so well, it's a great question. You can release players anytime, but now uh, when you release them, the waiver wire is active, um, which means that if you release a guy that's not a vested veteran, meaning if he didn't have four years or more, um, he's subject to waivers. Now, the waivers claims go in the uh, you know the order that uh, that the teams finish. Only they're worst to first. So if you're you know if you're the thirty second team, then you get the first bite of the apple in the waiver wire. Uh, if you pass, it goes to the next team and so on. As far as the ping pong table goes, there's been way too much attention to that. I think it's kind of funny. It's a little distracting when you hear us interviewing guys and you hear the. Now, is that more distracting or are you typing? No, well, that's bad too. But I mean, the, the, it, it gets to me. Like I never realized how loud ping pong is. Like it's like the paddles and the ball and everything. Um, but I will say this. I've seen a lot of improvement in that football team. And when I say that, I mean as ping pong players. Those guys got better. Um, I've seen guys improve week to week at lunchtime. I don't think it matters what they do. We got They got basketball hoops in there. Look, this is their time. It should be our time because it's the media period that uh, they play the most. Um, so if we can put up with it, why can't, why can't everybody else? You can't, you can't always be doing football. You know what I mean? Like, I would just say this, that like when you what? go to work – you should well, be I mean, nonstop we, thinking football all day long. Well, they do that, but like when you go to work, okay, and like most most American Americans go to work, and let's say you know you're a I don't know you're a sales accountant or you, you're you you know you you sell insurance or whatever it is you do, and then you know it gets to be you get there at eight, maybe you go to the lunchroom, you know, for a a quick snack, and you know you work till it's like twelve twelve thirty. Are you not supposed, like, when you go to lunch, are you not supposed to do anything? Like, you can't, I mean, not just play ping pong, but, like, if you're not doing insurance or you're not doing a job while you're on your break, does that make you a bad employee? No. It means sometimes you need to recharge. You need to get away from it. Just, I mean, they're not leaving the building. Actually, the time is used to get dressed and everything else. Um, it's so It's so funny to me that, you know, when Seattle did it and, and they had they used to have these competition Thursdays where they would play one-on-one -on -one basketball and all this stuff, as long as Seattle was winning, everybody thought, that's really cool. We need, we need to do that. Let's just copycat league. Next thing you know, 
ping pong tables are springing up everywhere. Um, it's only when you lose that people look for stuff like that. And believe me, win, lose, ping pong, no ping pong, um, you know, it, you got to prepare yourself to practice and play. And, you know, for some guys, if that gets them relaxed and gives them something to do while we're not talking to them, because a lot of these guys that are playing aren't guys we're going to talk to during the week necessarily anyway, it just doesn't matter. The biggest annoying factor is, again, the sound that you hear when you play back the recorder uh, and or the fact that you're going to get whacked by a ping pong ball every now and then and have to pick it up and toss it to a guy. It gets a little distracting in there. It's small quarters to begin with. All right, Malik asked the question, quote, Whatever you're going to do inevitably, you should do immediately. You would like us to apply this to the Bucks, Bolts, and Rays with specific examples of what each should do in the offseason. This is such a thoughtful question that I don't even know that I want to attempt it because it's really well done. Um, you got to buy into the premise that whatever you're going to do inevitably, you should do immediately. I'm going to use that in my life, I think. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you went through life like that. Yeah, you know what? I knew I knew I was going to sell my boat. I should have just sold it, you know. Um, all right, well, let's start with the Bucks. And I don't know what they're going to do, but if I were going if I were going to let me say this. If I were not going to pay Gerald McCoy 13 million dollars, okay? Then inevitably I, I would do immediately, which is go to him now and say, we're not paying you, will you take X, or just cut him. I don't think it does you any good, you know, sort of letting the drama play out because there's no easy way to to cut ties with an iconic player that's going to be in the ring of honor if and when that time comes. And if it's come, then you should address it right away. You, you don't have to wait till free agency. Now, some might say, well, what if there's trade value? You know, do you think that, a team would pay Gerald and, and you could get I – mean, yeah, that's that's possible. I just think as soon as you pick up the phone, they're going to know that, aha, you don't want to give him $13 million. You know, chances are we won't either. We'll get him as a free agent and we can start over. Um, so whether that's the decision or let's say Deshaun Jackson, let's say, you know, and I know there's been talk about trading him and, oh, you'd be surprised how many teams might have a market. Ah, uh, Deshaun Jackson doesn't want to play here. You don't want to pay him $10 million. That would be an inevitable, you know, sort of immediate decision you can make if you wanted to. Again, they th seem to think there's trade value, so that's probably why they haven't done that. With the Lightning, Steve, I'll let you take that one because you're, you're way more plugged into them than I am as far as personnel moves. Well, I think, and, and they've already kind of started this one, is Ryan Callahan, as uh, Joe Smith reported, has been told he's the 13th forward on this team meaning he's not going to play a lot the rest of the regular season, barring injuries. He'll play. Wow. They'll, they'll, they'll rotate him in occasionally to keep him fresh. And, and th that role could change in the playoffs. But I, th mm -hmm. I think you're seeing that, you know, if he's not traded by the trade deadline this year, he'll either be traded or bought out in the offseason. He's got one year left on his contract, I think, for $5.8 million. That, you know, they're, they're moving on from Ryan Callahan. And, and not that – not that he can't play, not that he hasn't been extremely valuable for this franchise, more than just the amount of points he scores or goals he scores. Um, mm -hmm. He's had a huge mark on this franchise and, and still does in the locker room and that. But they have younger players that are ready to go. And, you know, it's, it's not that he couldn't play somewhere else, and maybe he does next year. But I, I think, you know, with the Lightning, you're going to see that move on. And I love what they did with Matthew Joseph and Eric Chernak this year. And as mm. – 
as Strawman came back from injury, they didn't send Chernak back down to Syracuse. They said, you're staying here. You're, our, you're part of our future. You're staying here right now. Matthew Joseph, too. And it's caused a logjam on the roster when they could have sent those two back for waivers because they were you didn't have to go through waivers to go back to Syracuse. But they said, no, you're our future. You're staying here. And I, I think they've done a great job with that. As far as the Rays go, I mean, last year I would think you would say they did exactly what this guy's advocating. They they pulled the Band-Aid off and traded Evan Longoria. You know, they, they mm-hmm. ate some money. Um, it was hard to do. Another iconic-type player, a guy that's certainly on the Mount Rushmore of – Tampa Bay athletes and and um, and they and they did the deal. It's, you know this year's team. I don't know. Would you say that about I don't know Matt Duffy? Would you say that about Kevin Kiermaier? Well, Kevin I mean, Kiermaier is the one that you I would consider trading because I, I, I don't yeah. know I don't know how much better he gets. He's phenomenal defensively. That, He's phenomenal defensively. He's game changing defensively, but he also Steve. Here's the thing. He's playing about a hundred games a year. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's a guy that's, because of his style of play, is going to hit a wall, dive into a bag, do something to prevent him from being in the lineup every day. I can't count on him. But he still has enough value now because some team will look at him as, as a defensive, you know, uh, gem that they need, the extra piece in, in the outfield. They'll sacrifice mm-hmm. some offense. They'll sacrifice some things. So I think his trade value is probably as high as it's ever going to get, and I would agree with you. I would Especially since you have some good outfielders now, I would consider trading. Yeah, no, uh, I wouldn't get rid of him just to get rid of him because no, I no. think he's game changing no, no. enough defensively. You'd have to get but, value, but I think you need to seriously cons- look at you know what you can get for him, and if if you can get enough, you know I would absolutely consider is, pulling that trigger. You have this glut of guys that can play the infield and or the outfield, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have some guys that can do that, and. For that matter, I mean, I don't know, is Austin Meadows, is he a center fielder? Is Tommy Pham a guy that plays center field? You know, like They can, um, and, and the uh, the guy they got from Seattle uh, in the trade as well is, can play all three positions. Yeah, so, I mean, you have you have some flexibility, and these are really good outfielders too. Now, are they, cal- they going to win a platinum glove? I don't know that they will, but frankly, I don't know how many more Kiermaier is going to win either as he, as he continues to get himself beat up, so – those, that's a great, great question. You know, what would you do if you're going to do it inevitably? Do it right away. Pretty good, pretty good way to live your life. Now, there's other factors, of course. Um, like I said, why teams hang on to players for trades and things like that. But uh, I like the question. All right, rooting for UF uh, asks, and we'll switch to baseball now. There's been a lot of talk nationally about the stalled MLB free agent market and how to fix it. What's your take? Taking it a bit further. If you could unilaterally implement a new MLB CBA, what changes would you make? Um, this one requires too much thought. I think that uh, with respect to the CBA, what has happened is is that you, you ha- you're not going to have these mega contracts anymore. I think we have to uh, all agree that there might be one or two players, and in this case, you know, um, I think it's pretty obvious – you know, what's what's going on with the top of the food chain. These guys are asking for $300 million. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be tough. But then you have a bunch of other players um, that are available, and, and teams teams just don't want to pay the luxury tax. They don't want to you know, spend the salaries. They're more into analytics now. Well, the teams like um, the A's and the Rays have shown you you don't have to spend money. To you win. don't have to spend it. That's right. That's right. Especially on things like pitching. I mean, if you have the ability to to get, you know, um, 
someone locked up like like a Snell or you know somebody like that, then you should probably do it. If you got a guy that can go out there and win a Cy Young and pitch every five days and take the ball as an ace, that's great. Well, but if you can do it, if you can do it on the right terms and and, and right. more length of contract than anything. I mean, all these big mm-hmm. deals that you know, whether it's Miguel Cabrera or Albert Pujols or Alex Rodriguez, is they're all fine deals at the beginning, but by the end, you're yeah, throwing I, money away at the. I mean, Albert Pujols. Phenomenal player, Hall of Famer, but he ain't worth what he's getting paid now. Yeah, I know they would never do this, but because the union would never do it, you know, there's 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 always a bunch of theories. I think the NFL tried to do this, and 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 the players got screwed. I mean, there was a time when teams had to guarantee upwards of fifty million dollars in signing bonus if they took a player in the first round, especially in the top five. And then the veterans got mad, and they said, "Wait a minute, why is all this money?" going towards guys that have never taken a snap in the NFL. And, and, and then you have a bunch of veteran players uh, who they felt like, you know, weren't, they were more deserving. They had been in the league. Um, it didn't make sense. Everything was backwards. Everything was for the guys coming into the league, not the guys that had actually played. And so the owner said, oh, okay, you want a rookie salary pool? Sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll take this money. And, you know, with the salary pool, then we'll, we'll move down sort of a rookie rookie pool, and then, then there'll be more money for veterans, except what happened. There was no more money for veterans. <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't, it didn't translate. All, all that happened was they got less guys paid as rookies. Um, so, you know, that, that's sort of what happened with that. And so, I mean, there's somewhere in there there's a system, though, where you don't squeeze the middle class, and I think that's what's happened. I think there's too many really good players. I mean, I was seeing, like, you know, Adam Jones doesn't have a job. Why doesn't Adam Jones have a job with all that he's accomplished? Well, I, I think some of it is is the age. It's and some of it's kind of waiting for. Look, you're not going to sign Adam Jones if you're trying to sign Bryce Harper. True. You know, until Bryce Harper signed, the teams that are in play for him aren't going to be willing to sign an Adam Jones yet. I mean, that's kind of what happened last year a lot with Alex Cobb and others. Is you're waiting on some of the big names to go, and then the other teams start filling in. You know, that's kind of what happened last year with Alex Cobb is, you know, he, he didn't get signed until the spring when they were at IMG Academy because you're kind of waiting for the big guys to sign so the other teams know who they need to fill in with. Maybe you could do, um, you know, a signing period that, that expires quicker. You know, maybe there's something that uh, that could expedite some of the free agency. But mm-hmm. I don't know how you change it. I really don't. There's so much money in baseball, and, and, I, and, and I think the game is changing – well, I think no. it would change if you if you know, and, and the hard part of baseball is so much of the revenues are generated locally, and which is why there's the disparity among the Yankees and the Rays. Mm-hmm. Is that as long as there's not a salary cap, and w- when you install a cap, you can have a floor if you're revenue sharing enough. Mm-hmm. Then there's no the owners don't have to spend money. The owners can sit there and say we're not signing anybody. I mean, the Yankees spend, you know, what, $200 million a year, but they could say, man, we're only going to spend $100 million this year. And there's nothing the baseball players can do about that. Uh-huh. Absolutely nothing. They've negotiated nothing in the past. Where every other league, I mean, you know, in the NHL, in the NBA, in the NFL, there's a set percentage of the revenue that the players are getting. And it's just slightly above 50%, I believe, in all three of those leagues. Right. Baseball, from what I understand, the players get 38% of the revenue. Mm-hmm. And right now, the owners, as they're spending less, you're getting less and less because their revenues are going up. 
You know, the baseball players have not they have not negotiated very well. They've they've protected three hundred million dollar contracts instead of protecting the whole. Right. Right. No, the, you're right. The top of the food chain is 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 squeezing the middle class and, and there's they're still more interested in the Bryce Harpers and these kind of guys. So that has to change. I'm not I'm not sure how to fix it. Um, but you know, I think I think football is a different system. You know, the revenue shares and the non-guaranteed contracts because of the injury. You know, the high injury incidents, and you wouldn't have, you can't pay a hundred guys on a team. Um, no one's going to do that, so they're not going to guarantee contracts. But um, you know, they're guaranteeing more and more money all the time. It's interesting, though. It's definitely changing, and I think analytics are changing the game a lot, really fast. Analytics and the fact that teams have won without spending the money. Uh, that's A's, it. That's what Rays, I mean. They've and proven. many other teams. Yeah. yeah. You've proven you don't have to. You know, there's value in guys that, um, you know, it, it, you don't have to spend 25 million. I mean, the Rays last year, they would have loved to have had a bunch of Blake Snells, but you don't have to spend $25 million on, on a starting pitcher uh, if you've got enough guys that can go in and get three guys out. Exactly. Now, Les asks, it will take four to five years to build a Rays stadium. A shovel would have to be in the ground by March 2023 at the latest to be ready by the 2027 season. That's only four years. Should we prepare ourselves for life without baseball in Tampa Bay, or do you believe in miracles? Yes, Al Michaels, I do, um, because I've seen them happen. They happen with the Buccaneers, who should absolutely be someplace else, namely Baltimore. Then our model kind of took that away when he moved the Cleveland Browns there before Malcolm Glazer could. And that's a fact. Um, I, I think you get your best deal when you're ready, when the moving vans are pulling up. I just do. I, I don't. I don't think there'll be enough movement. And yeah, considering it takes three years when the shovel goes in the ground, you're really talking about a year or so before they'd have to look for some place to play. And um, you know, when there's a hard deadline, when there's something that says, you know, it's it's either by this date or we're going to negotiate with another city. I think that's when the community at, as a whole uh, and the Rays in particular have to decide how committed they are to being here. And, you know, if that means more money, you know, from the, from the team towards, you know, towards the stadium or whatever that means, whatever, sh- whatever form that takes, it's, it's going to be a under the gun move the clock. I mean, every stadium deal that, that you know, the rate, the, the, the St. Petersburg was in, the stadium game for years. They built stadiums in Seattle. They built one in San Francisco. They built one in Chicago. I mean, in Chicago, the White Sox were here. I went up, did that story. They were coming. And the governor, you know, at midnight, central time, actually physically went up and moved the clock back one hour and so that they can continue to bargain and negotiate and come up with a stadium deal for the White Sox to remain on the south side of Chicago. So that's, that's politics. That's money. That's you know, that's when you figure out, you know, who's going to step up and, and who's serious. And right now, you know, time time is sort of their biggest enemy in a way of getting something done because there is still a little bit of time, but it's very little bit. And I think in about a year or so, they're going to reach that point where it's like, okay, we're not going to do it in Tampa Bay. We have to start talking to other cities. And that's when it becomes very real. Well, and, and I, look, the longer the time goes on, the more leverage the Rays have because they're closer to being Absolutely. able to leave. But there's sure. other things at play, too. Look, four years from now, the demographics of the United States are going to be different, and this area is going to be even bigger. There's going to be more people in this area as it's growing, Mm -hmm. and there's going to be less Mm -hmm. people in a lot of the other areas. So demographically, from television deals to tickets to everything else, this market is growing substantially, 
And, you know, baseball, as a rule, doesn't want to leave those type of markets. Secondly is, and while Tampa is out right now because they can't negotiate with Tampa, there's nothing that says they can't negotiate with Tampa for 2027. I mean. That's true as well. They, to leave early. They had to negotiate within that three-year window, but they could they could be dealing right now with trying to build a park in Tampa or, or, or West Chase or you know anywhere else you want to build it in the in the area for 2027. There's nothing that St. Pete can do about that. I mean, the lease ends right. in 2027. You can do to leave early. You had to get it done now, and it's not done. So, I mean. I've always said this deal, when they announced the Ebor deal, it's going to get more difficult and it's going to get ugly before it gets, anything gets done, whether it's here or elsewhere or leaves or whatever. It was always going to get uglier first because that's the way negotiations work. For a lot of reasons, they want to move it closer to Tampa, bigger population, whatever. I still, for whatever reason, I still believe somehow that, they're, that, that it's more likely it gets done in Pinellas. I, I think it's, it's easier to get done, especially now that the Ray Zone outlaying stadium. Exactly. Um, and that it's would be easier to get done in Pinellas. I still think from a business standpoint, Tampa makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Probably right. But from an aesthetics right. view, that park at Outlying Stadium would be beautiful. And if you're talking about, you know, if, you're, if your choice is Tampa Bay, um, you know, if you can't get it done in Tampa, the city, or the Hillsborough County, but you can still keep the team in the area by, by redoing or, or building a new ballpark in St. Pete, I think they would opt for doing that. Um, over moving to a smaller market or another city or what have you. But we'll see. That time will come pretty quick. It's a great question, as always. I mean, the other part is, too, baseball wants to expand. They want to get to 32 teams. But they have to secure the ones they have now. Well, and they want to get to 32 teams because there's billion-dollar expansion fees on the line. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And so if San Antonio or Portland or Nashville, let's say those are three of the cities that are potential – you don't want to move a team there when you could possibly get a billion dollars in expansion fees. That's right. Absolutely You'd rather right. stay where you're at for Oakland and Tampa Bay and let mm-hmm. two teams expand and pay a billion or more. I mean, if hockey's getting $650 million to expand in Seattle, baseball can get over a billion. Absolutely. So makes, you, you don't want to move a, te- a team to those cities and miss out on a billion dollars. Right. No, I, I totally agree. Otherwise, you're backfilling and then trying to get teams back in cities that just lost them, you know, much like, much like the NFL did for years. Yep. All right, final question. Steve asks, is USF a basketball school now? Well, I mean, to indicate that they're anything but would, would say that they're a football school, so I don't know that we could call them that. Um, look, I'm as stunned as – did anybody see this coming? I mean, we always go back. You know, it was like the Rays last year. I had them losing 100. Look, I didn't, I didn't expect USF to be competitive in basketball for a very long time. That's one of the harder programs, I think, to sort of navigate for whatever reason. And there's plenty of good talent in the state of Florida, um, probably plenty of good talent just in Hillsborough and Pinellas County in the Bay Area. Um, but the job – that they have done in a short time is remarkable. Brian Gregory didn't have any players last season. No, he did not. But if you watched them, they improved tremendously throughout the season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they had a couple late wins in conference at the end of the season and that. This year he's got a full complement of players, a lot of transfers and others. And they're getting better as the season goes along too. He's a great coach. He's got to be. Now whether he can sustain and recruit and and to get – to the to the, the next level, we'll see. But he's been well, a, he's I, been I, a tremendous hire so far. 
Yeah, I hate to tell you what'll happen. You know what's going to happen if well, he does. Yes, that. at some point he's going to get rated. I mean, <laughs> they're going to come well, get which, him. Which is what's happened at USF for football too for and, years. And, yeah, and you know, Skip Holtz didn't didn't succeed the way you hoped. Willie Taggart did, and you lost mm-hmm. him. Charlie Strong, the jury's still out on. I mean, he did That's great right. the first year with Quentin Flowers. You lose him the second year. You start seven and zero, but it's a shaky seven and zero, and then you finish seven and six. Now he's made a lot of changes to the staff. We're going to see, you know, how good Charlie Strong really is. I would love to see Brian Gregory and that team in, in some in, in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if they can do it. I don't know that they, you know, their I don't, strength I don't think this year's not, the year. Not but, what it is. But, you know, they could go to an NIT this year or something like that, which would be And that would be a tremendous cool. start. Be a great accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely yeah, it is. Fantastic. To get from where, where they where were they like last year and the year before that, absolutely. Oh, it'd be, it'd be great. And hats off to them. I mean, that's. I always wish that that this was a better basketball area, and I know there's good basketball played here, but for whatever reason, USF just hasn't, you know, hasn't really, you know, caught. They had that run back in 2012, Mm -hmm. which they, you know, made the tournament. They were in the first four. With Stan Heath, right? Yeah, they were in the first four, and they won that game, and then they won another one and and lost on Sunday that week. But and that was cool. But oh, that was tremendous. But you know, Seth Greenberg tried. I mean, there's been guys try it, and Mm -hmm. it just hasn't worked out. But Hopefully he's got it going, man, and uh, we and they and they can keep their keep their coach here and keep their program moving forward. It's been pretty cool to watch, though. All right, once again, some outstanding questions. Thanks for your participation in, in our mailbag segment. And as always, you don't have to wait for us to call uh, for the mailbag. You can just send your questions to us anytime on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Thursday, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning will try to bounce back. They play the St. Louis Blues at Emily Arena, so we'll see if they can uh, manage to uh, to get on the winning side of things again after uh, you know struggling for a point against Las Vegas. And then we have, uh, don't forget, the Rays Fan Fest this Saturday. We'll be out there from noon until 2 p.m. Come by, say hi. It's always great to put a face with uh, the people that listen through this podcast, which is growing all the time. And, folks, if you get a chance, no kidding, the weather – is turning perfect. I was out there today. Uh, looks like it's going to be about 78 degrees. Uh, great family experience. Go see Captain Mike swimming with the manatees up there in Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's it's an amazing. It's pure paradise. They got pontoon boat rentals, kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and so much more. Great time for the family. You can book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or you can call 352-777-1796. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.